this jam is my beat. I love it. Oh yeah, love songs for Jesus. With the PMB. Straight from his heaven to your heart. Today on the PMB. Boom. Wow. Today on the PMB. <laughs> well, hey everybody, and welcome to the debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church, where every week Pastor Matt Brown gives us real answers to your tough questions mm. from the Bible. I am Stephanie Schaefer. And I am Tim Hawley. Mm. And I am the PMB. The PMB. The yeah. PMB. Uh, go with yeah. me on this nickname for Steph, mm -hmm. uh, the Electric Schaefer. Whoa. Uh, play on the electric shaver. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I don't think she liked it. it yeah. I was going to say, I was, looking, yeah. I was looking up the debrief yesterday on Apple TV. And yeah. do you know that you, you can't find it by looking up the debrief? It comes up under debrief. Oh. Hmm. So, just yeah. Get rid of the... They just don't believe so in when the... So when I searched for T-H-E debrief, there was nothing. But then when I typed in debrief, it came right up on my TV. Boom. Hmm. Well, there you go. I spent Did you eight... watch us on Apple TV? No, it doesn't show the video oh, format. Just the just podcast. Just the podcast. Okay. So... Speaking of video, what's up to everybody watching yeah, on YouTube? Yes, we love That's the place, right? It that is on YouTube. Yeah. It is on YouTube. YouTube.com slash The Debrief Show. You can find us right on there. Watch all of our episodes Boom. from episode 51 on. We've been on video having a great time. Yeah, and much apologies for the uh, tank top <laughs> episode. <laughs> I, <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot we that can never forget. we yeah. were being filmed. So I just feel bad. People didn't have tickets that day to the gun show. Yeah, so, you gave them free entrance. Yeah, dude. free access. So seriously, for our listeners, they were telling us that uh, someone was talking about the episode where I wore a tank top, and I'm like, that has never happened. And then my wonderful <laughs> staff show me the video. I flipped around of my me. laptop. Yeah, I was there like, was. It, literally, I feel like it's that's my second <laughs> senior moment. My first senior <laughs> moment is when I showed up to the party without my jacket, right? right? And that's when I felt like I'm officially near death you're, and you're, this you're, is my second moment where yeah. i'm like i never wore a tank top during the debrief and well you yes, gotta avoid those always and never statements never mm -hmm. goes well yeah goes well. you know what yeah. happened when moses leaned on his staff well, they died. won he died oh sorry. Yeah. Yeah. different story uh, was yeah. what i was thinking yeah he of. died so next yeah. time you know i need yeah. to maintain yeah, we'll my keep clothes. you clothed yes so modest is hottest clothes is in majesty so. yep yep all right. Well, thanks for joining us here on The Debrief, friends. We are about to dive into some of your follow-up questions, and then we're going to debrief Pastor Matt's sermon from this weekend. But before we do, I just want to th say thanks again to all of our debrief team that has been mm. out there in force the last two weekends, helping people get subscribed to the show. I imagine we have some more new listeners this weekend. Which, yes, welcome. Or this week. We're super excited. We're yeah. welcome. We're glad you're here. Go on and hit the archives there and go back through and listen to every single episode. They're they all were doing great. great this weekend. Like yeah. I saw a couple times, walked out, and just there's just so many folks in the awesome oh, yeah. debrief shirts people were literally actively signing people up oh, on their yeah. phones like it's 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 awesome thank you guys so much um, being a part of this and serving in this yeah. way is really helping people hear more about Jesus and, and be it's more so great to have more people on the team too I have people that are email now who are going to help us start pulling together the questions yeah. and work with us on the show so you guys are um, awesome thank yeah. you yes, much the love. team effort and please don't forget folks we've got some best of episodes coming up pretty soon mm. and we would love to hear your suggestions we're, we've had a few more episodes since then I think Pastor Matt said some really great things so send us your suggestions We'll work on getting one of our sweet debrief mugs, which we we're drinking coffee out of this morning. Hey, cheers. Did a little Brew with the Crew segment this morning before we got started on Facebook. So send those in. However you send questions into the debrief, we will get your best of topics that way too. But for now, we're going to go ahead and dive on in with some follow-up questions. Oh, yeah. So um, following up from the weekend, the, the verse that we're going to read, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. 
So I really don't know which is better. If I'm torn between two desires, I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Looking at this verse, does it mean it's okay for Christians to want life to end soon so we can go be with Jesus? Yeah, absolutely not. So, you know, uh, suicide is not something that is um, recommended at all here. We want to live uh, a long, full, and healthy life so that we can serve God. So here, here's the difference. We're not going to be able to serve God in our current capacity, you know, in in the next life. We're not going to be able to utilize the specific giftedness. We're not going to be able to have the specific abilities to save souls uh, in the next life that we do in this life. Mm-hmm. So we need to stay here. We need to be uh, learn as much as we can about God and share the good news of His love for others. And so that's the tension. The tension, you know, to go to heaven is better for us, but it's better for others that we stay here. And remember, that's where happiness is. Happiness is not living for yourself. So yeah, it's better if Paul checks out and he doesn't suffer and he doesn't struggle in prison. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that going from a prison cell to heaven is a promotion. I would definitely say that and affirm that. However, we as the church need Paul to write every single letter. The truth is, we could have used double the amount that he wrote. Uh, We could have used, you know, I wish Paul had the debrief uh, show Mm. 2000 years ago so we could send him our questions. What did you mean by that? You know, how how do we think about this? And so what what we need to understand is, look, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So so either way, God's got me. And that's where our happiness comes from is no matter what's happening in my life, God's got me. If I live, if I die, you know, God's got me either way. And so what's the worst thing a non-Christian believes can happen? You die. Well, Paul says, in that, I, I get promoted. I, I'm advanced. I'm going on to something that's better, something that's more fruitful for me, something that's more incredible and more awesome. And so here's what I would encourage all of you to have. Have a divine sense of curiosity about the next life. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious as to what there's going to be and, and what it's going to be like. And I look forward to those moments and that time of being reunited with Christians who have gone before me and to be reunited with Christ who died for me. So I look forward to that and I'm excited about that. Now, having said that, uh, you know, I have a wife that needs me. I'm the sole provider or not the sole provider, but the major uh, supporter of my family financially. I got kids in college. I'm trying to get them, you know, started on their life and directed down their path. And so, um, and I have a church that I oversee now multiple campuses and the church needs me to guide us and direct us because the quickest way to kill a church is to kill the leader. That's just the reality. And so, um, you know, people say it's all about God and yeah, it is all about God, but God puts it on leaders. That, mm-hmm. That's that's the deal. And so I need to be here for our church as we get this movement started and going. And, and hopefully we see literally hundreds of uh, campuses planted all over the United States and perhaps the world. And we see really this movement of authenticity take over. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm super excited about that. So just brief advertisement. There was a time in our culture where things were about authority, who's in charge, and it was a power movement. Mm. But things have changed from an authority movement to an authenticity movement. There's been a there's been a shift, and so um, I think Sandals is on the cutting edge of that shift. I'm reading other authors and other people that are figuring it out 20 years after us. And so God God spoke this to us for a reason, and so yeah. we need to see this through. Um, you know, people enjoy Sandals because I'm authentic. Why? Because I am. I'm not fake. I'm mm. not. Uh, I, I don't act like the, the world's gift of authority. So so we're doing that. So I need to stay here to see this movement through, obviously. Um, you know, God can take me home at any time. You and I thought we were going home to be with Jesus. <laughs> yep. uh, but apparently God had some some time for us and, and the plane, thank God, didn't go down. Amen. So we are grateful for that. Um, and again, um, you know, think about that in terms of miracles. When we ask for God to extend somebody's life, 
every Christian needs to ask why. Why, why would God extend your life? What, what about you deserves this special miracle where you avoid death? Mm. And, and, and most people really don't have a case for that. You know, um, I, I think that God extends life for the purpose of his glory and building his kingdom. And when there's mm. somebody, again, that's, that, what is God doing? It's bigger than just me. It's about building the kingdom and spreading the good news. And so um, God sometimes will allow a missionary to die because ultimately that galvanizes the church to go forward and push mm. forward with strength. Look what's happening in Ethiopia, or not Ethiopia, excuse me, Egypt, Okay. The Coptic church is awakening. Revival is happening. Mm. For the first time in hundreds of years, Coptic Christians who have historically not partnered with evangelical Christians, and if you didn't know that, that's what Sandals is. We're an evangelical Christian church, um, you know, which is the largest group of Christians in America today. So that includes Baptists. It includes, you know, conservative Methodists, Calvary Chapel. Mm-hmm. Most non-denominational churches are, are in that scope. But for a long time, the Coptic church has not wanted anything to do with this. And now they are inviting evangelical leaders and the gospel is going forward. And there's a boldness there. Why? Because people are dying. And and you would think that would shut them down, but what it's actually do is emboldening them. And, um, you know, so the, the, the terrible thing about terrorism in the Middle East, obviously, is the loss of life. The good news for the kingdom is, is Arabs in the Middle East, for the first time in about a hundred years, are no longer identifying as Arab, but they are identifying as Christian. Mm. And that has been thrust upon them by Muslim Arabs. Mm-hmm. So, so right, so something, something really, really bad is actually working out for something good. So I'm excited, not that there's the loss of life, but I'm excited for the movement of God that's taking place. And so we can trust this. Look, those 28 people that were killed last week in Egypt, uh, if they were born again Christians, are in a better place. Mm. They're in a better place. They're not suffering. There's no hardships anymore. For those of us who are left, we have a work to do. And we, we need to tell the world about Christ. And uh, so here's the good news. Out of that, in Egypt, there are Muslims that are converting to Christianity because they see a difference. There are categorical differences between the prophet Muhammad and Muslims call Jesus the prophet Jesus. We, we call him our savior and Lord and worship him as God, mm-hmm. but they're seeing a difference. There, there's, a, there's a moral difference. There's, there is a, an ethical difference. Um, and... Muslims for the first time in a long time are considering Jesus. And so, um, you know, this terrorism, although it's having horrific effects, is also having good eternal effects. So, mm-hmm. wow, that, that went way out there, but <laughs> yeah. great, great question. So, no, that is, that's really great. And I, I can think of many conversations I had with friends who have been either wrestling with, I don't want to keep living, you know, they're having processing, either, you know, ending their own life or what's the purpose of life? And that's really the question. What is my purpose? And that's what you're talking about. We have a purpose that is beyond just even feeling good or feeling yeah. happy. Mm-hmm. The purpose is to continue God's work. That's why Jesus gives us such a great um, significance yeah. in our yeah. life as believers. So here's here's one of the negative side effects of, of teaching children that they're all equal, they're all the same, and that you can do anything that you want to. The problem with that is you can't. Hmm. Like, I, no matter how much I try, I'm not going to be an NBA player. It's not in the cards. I don't have those physical gifts. Some kids don't have the mental capacity. They don't have the creative capacity. They're not in the right socioeconomic area for something to happen. And so part of the misery that American culture is experiencing and Christian culture is experiencing is we believe that happiness is all about fulfilling our dreams. And our dreams oftentimes literally are unhealthy. They're mm-hmm. unhealthy level of expectations. Um, you know, we, we think, 
you know, we, we watch the Kardashians, we follow them online or we follow their reality show and we think that is the picture of happiness. Well, guess what that means? 99.9% of Americans are gonna fall short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if that's happiness and that's joy and that's the life, then I'm going to be miserable and that's just not reality. Mm. And so we need to really, really back off. Here is God's plan. God's plan is to save the world. Yeah. You are a part of that plan. You have a significant contribution to that plan. You are not the plan. You are not the center of the plan. Matt Brown is not the center of the plan. Jesus Christ was the center of the plan, and it's Mm. telling the world about him. And so happiness is found in joining God's plan. Misery is asking God to bless your plan, right? Yeah, and that's, there we go. And, that, and, that, and that's the problem is, and so much of Christianity today is self-centered, yeah. mm-hmm. self-promoting. It's all about me getting rich, fat, and happy. And listen, I don't believe God wants you to be miserable, but I also don't believe he wants you to be a millionaire. I just don't see that. And you know, there's this convergence of the American dream and, and, and the call of Christ, and it's really, really unhealthy. And so people are miserable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think about that all the time with my posts, you know, my wife and I are blessed to travel and go places. And I don't want to post things that make someone who's working really, really hard, um, feel miserable about their life, mm-hmm. man. You know, uh, I, I, I'm hoping in this series that we can, we, I can give a talk on, on how to find literally happiness in work and what you do. And I mm-hmm. think, I think I've oh, got some yeah. real secrets to that, that are the opposite of, of what the world says. And so I think we got it backwards. So I'll give you a little sneak peek of what I think this message might be like. The world says um, that you need to love what you do. So what that automatically does is that invalidates 99.9% of my career choices, right? (laughs) Right. Because there are things about being a pastor that I don't love. Like I do not love people being jerks and I get it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you see see on my Instagram feed, I post a picture like shave your beard, it's ugly. Thank you for that, Sandalite. Yeah, I appreciate very kind. your positive feedback. They should go to cultivate. And yeah, be more yeah. Wise and they kind. need to cultivate mm-hmm. way more kindness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every every job's a job. That's that's you know we, we do it, and it's backwards. I think what we need to start is is we we need to say, where's there an opportunity? Not what do I love, but where is there an opportunity? And I need to look there. Look for an opportunity. Look for something that nobody else sees and nobody else gets. For example, start a church that's vision is to be real. There were plenty of churches. Mm-hmm in Riverside. None of them had a vision to be real. Matter of fact, uh, I heard pastors say that that was the wrong vision when I started. Mm. Well, they were wrong, I was right. So look for an opportunity. Next, get good at it. Whatever it is, get good at it. You know, I met a guy this week, I had to take uh, Kennedy's car in to uh, get fixed because it's got a lot of dings on it because she's a teenage driver. And uh, my friend was showing me, I told Mm -hmm. you this, that there's this guy in Southern California and all he does is take frames off cars. He takes frames off cars, charges three grand a day, and does a car every single day. He's making fifteen grand a week. I don't know about you guys, but I could live off that. Yeah, yeah I think that yeah, might right. Be we, I think yeah. all three of us could live yeah. off fifteen yeah. grand a week. Yeah, he he found an opportunity mm-hmm. and he got good at what he does. Yeah, that's, that's a great. Story. And then here's the here's the key, man. I'm ruining my own sermon. Ah. Then learn to love what you do, mm. because he, he, here's the key: you got to find people that love life, love what they do. So no matter what you do. You can bless people and bless God. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're, you're changing beds and you're a maid at a, um, you know, a hotel, you can bless people with what you mm-hmm. do. You can find joy in that and you can serve God in the lowest of things. So see an, seize an opportunity, look, look for something, um, you know, pay attention, find a need, get good at it, and then love it. And you'll be happy. 
The problem is we flip that. Mm -hmm. We want to start with something we love. Then we try to get good at it. And then we hope there's an opportunity and then we're all miserable. Mm -hmm. So find an area that no one else is doing. I, I tell this all the time, you know, when guys want to plant a church, I say, don't plant a church in Riverside. I just told a guy this this week. I, why would you plant a church in Riverside? You have Harvest the Grove and Sandals. Go somewhere where there's not a great church. Mm -hmm. Find an opportunity where there's, and I don't want to say that we're in competition, but the truth is we are. Mm -hmm. So go find someplace where there's not three great churches. You know, the best way to be the best game in town is to be the only game in town. So, mm -hmm. and this guy was like, eh. I'm like, okay. Well, in that case, you're providing opportunity too, right? You yeah. just said that look for an opportunity, not just for you, but for the people that might be in need of that. So yeah. finding a community that doesn't have a vibrant growing community of believers and being able to provide and facilitate that. Yeah. That's a better way of looking at it than, well, here's where I am and I just wanna see mm -hmm. if I can you know, throw something together. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that guy, you know, that guy's making a lot of money and he, he gets to work for himself. He yeah. enjoys what he does. He's good at it. Mm -hmm. He's blessing people. Mm. Yeah. Because actually, though, he makes $3,000 a, a, a job, he's actually saving the customer about ten grand because most auto shops have to employ three people and it takes them two weeks to, to take a frame job. off. job. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's crazy. He does it with one person in one day. That's awesome. Thanks for the sneak peek on that sermon. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I just think a lot of our young people, they need to quit asking what makes them happy and look mm -hmm. for an opportunity. Yeah. So what, what, what I think will bring you joy is the ability to take care of your family. Mm. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what it is. It's not, your work's purpose is not to fulfill every need that you have. You know, I, I work for my family. I do what it takes. Whatever it takes, I will do that for my family because I love them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, within reason, I'm not going to kill somebody or sell dope. So those are, thank you for your commitment yeah. to not doing right. those things. So with it, within, within a legal scope, yeah. um, you know, so anyways. No, I appreciate that. Well, and I remember um, when Tyler and I were dating, we had a conversation about that because he's an incredibly talented writer. Um, I always loved to do that. And so we talked about, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, well, what's your dream job? He's like, well, I'd love to write. He's like, but right now, like wanting to provide for a family means more to me than yeah. pursuing my dream job. That's good. And I think just like for a young guy, like our age, like everyone our age just wants to pursue their dream job. But that would have meant you're not going to have a family. They're not gonna be able to do these things. So he works hard in development and in construction and does that well. Um, and then writes on the side. It was working on that on the side. But mm. I really like that was something I really appreciated and really admired in him. He's like, no, he's like, I care more about providing for a family. I care more about working hard than I do about pursuing my dream job. Yeah. yeah so, I, so I had this conversation with a, a teacher at our church who doesn't want to teach anymore because they want to do ministry. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I can't Where think. Else do you get? I can't think of a better yeah. if it's truly about ministry. I can't think of a better position to be in than to yeah. be a public school teacher. Yeah. Because you have an opportunity to bless kids, talk mm -hmm. to kids, talk to parents, connect with parents, meet needs. Mm -hmm. you, you, have, you have an opportunity to serve God in a very, very unique way. But the problem is, I think a lot of our ministry is more about us than it is about God. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it just doesn't work that way. So, um, you know, and I just, I just see that all the time. And I, I think that most people that are miserable in their work are not looking at the opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look for the opportunity to bless people, to be kind to people and draw glory to God. And I don't care what you do, if that's your focus, how do I bless the people I'm working with and how do I bring honor and glory to God? You yeah. will be a happy person yeah. and you will find joy in what you do. I think it's okay to say, I need to make more money. Now I would ask you why, mm -hmm. Sure. why do you need to make more money? Because if the answer is a boat or a car or a second house or stuff like that, you know, I, I don't agree with that. Right. I don't, I think, I think when it comes to money, less is more. It just is. I think money confuses people. It derails your vision in God. It just messes people. Most people, not everybody, most, most people. Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our, our biggest givers at Sandals Church are not our wealthy people. It's our middle, middle income people that get it. Yeah. So, 
Um, that's the reality. Yeah. So that's wow. good stuff, man. Yeah. 19 minutes, one question. Yeah. Lots of really we're good stuff roll, in there. Yes. All right. So I want to go back to some of what you were talking about a lot is our vision, our vision of authenticity. And Tiffany said in a really great question, kind of about this whole concept of being happy and pursuing joy and our vision of being real. So she says, if being happy or joyful feels hard or even fake at some times in life, how do I navigate sharing how I'm feeling and still being real with God and with others? Yeah, absolutely. Great question, Tiffany. So here, here's the balance. I don't want you to be fake all the time because there's there's some churches that aren't real. You know, God is good all the time. They're constantly mm-hmm. smiling and it's all what, what, you know, and it's like more like a rock Sorry, concert. It's all what? Yeah. What, what? Okay. It's more like a rock concert than it is a real church service. Sure. So I think we need to be real. But when you're always negative and you're always dark, and, and you guys know, you've mm-hmm. prayed with me and you see the same people week in, week out, yeah. come up with the same problems for years, mm-hmm. mm. right? I don't think you want to get well. I don't think you're ready to change your path. And so you need to deal with that. So it's it's not a matter of faking it. It's a matter of saying, okay, God, what do I need to change so you can change my mood? How do, how do I need to do this? And so I think we need to write, the Bible says, or Jesus says, excuse me, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So what's coming out of our mouth is, is revealing our emotions. And so if I'm, if negative things, if nasty things, um, uh, you know, are, are coming out of our mouth. A couple years ago, uh, I've never been a big cusser, but a couple years ago, I noticed that when I was by myself, like I, I would use profanity, like when I was by mm. myself. And and sometimes I didn't even say it out loud, but I thought it. Mm. And I was like, okay. So so what tra- tra- traditional church would say is stop cussing. What I think Jesus would say is we need to look at your heart. Yeah. Mm. Boom. So let's not treat the symptom. Let's treat the problem. Yeah. And the problem was I was bitter towards some people wow. in our church. And so- so what was coming, the cussing that was coming out of my mouth was revealing the condition of my heart. And instead of saying, I need to stop cussing, I, I, said, I needed to say, I need to, look, I need to look at my heart and say, mm-hmm. why is this? Because that's not like me. I'm not, I've never been a super profane person. That's not been me. Um, so I need to look at my heart. And um, you know what, what is going on here? So if I'm always depressed, if I'm always sad, I need to look at my heart. And then I need to do, you know, I need to take some steps, maybe some counseling, mm-hmm. some soul care. We have soul care here at church that's for free. We have counselors that's not for free that we can recommend you. And by the way, you know, as a culture, we need to learn to pay to feel better. Like literally th- this whole concept mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not gonna pay for counseling. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, buying a new car isn't gonna make you feel better. But if you spent the same amount on counseling a month yeah. that you spend on a car payment, you might feel better. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in you. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right. um, so go ahead and, and do that. We got great counselors that we recommend outside the church and we can send you to, and they're incredible, incredible people. So th- great question, Tiffany, and I um, appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. Shifting gears a little bit, and this one hits home for me. My uh, dad was actually a police officer for most of his career. Um, it's an anonymous question. I'm, a really, I'm really enjoying this series. The person says, I'm being happy. Although at times I find it very difficult to be happy, especially in my line of work as a law enforcement officer. The things I see, the difficult people I deal with, and even sometimes my own supervision totally destroys my happiness. Not only does it affect me, but my loved ones. I attend church regularly, I'm in community, and I serve. That seems to be the only time that I can find happiness. Mm. Any guidance to live out happiness outside of that? Yeah, I would just say this. Thank you, first of all, for your service. I think that being a police officer in our current political climate is the most difficult job there is. I think literally we have set you up to fail and you cannot win. Mm. And so my apologies, I appreciate your service. I love you. And anybody that does not recognize how difficult it is to be a police officer has an agenda and is not real. And, And I will say that to anybody regardless of color. It is a very, very challenging job 
And, and, and let's be honest, none of us, even if you get pulled over for a ticket, you're not, thank you officer for <laughs> reminding me, experience. yeah, for yeah. reminding me not to speed when we know the law, we're not happy, you know, when we're talking on our phones or, you yeah. know, we break laws all the time. And so, you know, it, it's a difficult, difficult job. Now, having totally. said that as police officers, you must remind yourself that you're dealing with two to 5% of the population. Mm. It's not it's not a, a, a good picture of what society of is humanity, like. humanity, yeah. It's always like this. People say, well, I, you know, I think Christians are whatever. Like uh, I, I have a relative who's uh, dating uh, an atheist and he, mm-hmm. uh, he's constantly blogging about how Christians are terrible. And I'm like, what, what do you know? One Christian, right. two? Right. I mean, right. really? I mean, the, the guy acts like he's swimming in, in a seminary, you know, with all these believers. I'm like, you don't know anybody So for you, an atheist, to talk in general about Christians is ridiculous. And so you have to just remember as a police officer, you can become very, very skeptical, very, very jaded um, because it's it's a really, really difficult thing. And then you put on top of that, you're working with fellow moronic officers, right? Because, Mm. you know, I mean, police officers are people too. So that means you got great officers, you got good officers, you got bad officers, and you got some evil ones. That's Mm. just the reality Mm. of any profession. Um, because the hiring process is not perfect. It isn't. And so, you know, um, I think that within police work, you know, you're dealing with difficult people. Um, Oftentimes, many are good, but also they're also living in response to the negativity. And I think that breeds negativity. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes what happens with police officers, um, you know, I joke around all the time with my police officer friends. I say COP stands for can't operate personally. And the reason for that is, and just so you know, ministers have the same problem. You know, I mean, I can preach a message to 10,000 people on a weekend and they're like, oh, that's awesome. And I come home and my wife's like, you stink. Let's talk. You know, it's, mm. it's complete. So a police officer lives in a world where they have authority mm. and then they transition to personal life. And man, you can't arrest your wife. It doesn't work that way or your husband or <laughs> your kids or whatever. People have probably tried, maybe didn't go over well. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work well. So high stress job. Mm. And so you're working with other people who are in a high stress job that man, literally the oversight on you guys is ridiculous. Everybody's paranoid. Everybody's covering their own butt. That's the world that you live in. It's really, really difficult. So I don't want you to quit your job because we need good guys or gals like you to do this. And I would just say, man, serve more at church, be more involved with church. Um, The guys that make it and the gals that make it are going to jump in the kingdom. And just know there's a reason this all has to end. It all has to end Mm. because it's broken. This, and it's not the system that's broken. It's the people that are broken, right? So we love in our world to talk about systems. Oh, if we just change the system, yeah, right? There's evil in all systems. Hitler was a fascist. Stalin was a communist, right? And, and people hate capitalism and they talk about its ills and it's whatever. It's three completely different systems. <laughs> the problem is not the system. The problem is the person. Yeah. People are broken. And so no matter what system you have, it can be broken by people. Same thing happens to church. You know, well, are you elder led? Are you congregational led? You know, are, are you bishop led? What is it? Look, right. I don't care what your system is. Any idiot can run it. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I've seen elders be idiots. I've seen senior pastors be idiots. I've seen congregations be idiots, mm-hmm. right? Just because you get to vote doesn't mean that you're going to listen to God. So, so we just got to know that. So just know all the police officers that listen, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Just make sure that you watch your heart. A great place to be if you're a uh, cop is the book of Psalms mm. because those prayers get a little ugly. And um, right out of the mouth, the heart speaks, man. When David's talking about smashing babies on rocks and shattering the teeth of his enemies. Yeah. Okay, he yeah. needed some counseling, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He, so, And those are prayers because they're honest and they're real. It doesn't mean they're right. 
It means mm. they're real. And that's mm. what the book of Psalms is. It doesn't mean that they reflect God's heart. It means it reflects the pr- the prayer of the of the, of the believer yeah. and the person. And so mm-hmm. get in the book of Psalms and, 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 t- and just talk about that. You know, um, I just read yesterday, I'm in Psalms right now, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. Yeah. And so a lot of us, when we're a little wonky, it's because we're disconnected from God. And so we need to pull up close to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you're a police officer, man, I just beg you, be close to God every day because you're in a profession where you could see him on any given yeah. work day. Yeah. Um, and every day could be your last. And so I thank you for your service. Well, and I think that's a great field too, to be looking for those opportunities. Like you were just talking about with the last question, like you're also interacting with people on their worst days of their yeah. life in a lot of cases. And you have an opportunity there to be Jesus yeah, to people in your profession in yeah. a way that, you know, not everyone does. You're no one, not most of us are going to be the first person there when someone has a car accident or mm-hmm. anything like that. So yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity to pursue there too, as mm-hmm. you're drawing closer to God. Yeah. Any profession where you see a lot of darkness, you have to intent, be intentional about light. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Ooh, I don't yeah. care what it is. It, so, and a police officer is just one of those mm-hmm. jobs where you are in darkness all day long. Yeah. So, so who's going to win? So you're in, you're in darkness 45, 50 hours a week and you come, you give me 45 minutes on the weekends. Cause you showed up late for church, you missed worship, you got the message and then you had to run off because you had honeydews on your day off, right? Mm. You've got to give light more time. Mm. It doesn't need equal time, but it does need more time. So, because we can't live at church. Yeah. So, but we, we've got to make sure that we're intentional about it. I, I can feel darkness creeping in me when I have not spent time in the word, mm. literally. So I think that's it. That's the answer. I, as I look at my dad's <laughs> career and all of the years that he spent seeing all of this every day, he would, he, and he wouldn't share a lot with us kids, but he would talk to my mom. And I know, I know he saw things that were really dark, Yeah. but I know also that he spent time every day with God, or at least would make that. I mean, I would always see him early in the morning, the Bible would be open. He'd be in prayer. And even to this day, I mean, my, dad, my dad's a fantastic example of that. Mm. But that's how he combated the darkness yeah. is, mm-hmm. is always and consistently coming back to the word because that helped manage the expectations. Right. He wasn't shocked when he would see those things because he knew that for all of time, the evil's been present, but God has always been able to conquer that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a great encouragement. All right, this next question uh, comes from Annie Moss. Let's kind of wrap up our little follow-up section here. She says, I love, I'm loving the current series on Beyond Happiness, but I'm also struggling with it a bit. I'm diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and I feel like sometimes I really don't have control over when my mood drops. I've always thought of these disorders as, ha- as being a chemical imbalance in my head. Am I thinking of this right, or am I really not giving everything and all my feelings to God? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, Thank you, Annie Moss, for this question. And, hard. you yeah. know, I think mental health is a real issue in our society. So he- here's, here's where your doctor is right. We are chemical beings, we're biological. And sometimes when chemicals rise or fall, emotions go up and down. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think as Christians, we need to be willing. I just had a conversation with a Christian very, very close to me this week where I encouraged them to go talk to a psychiatrist because they have been unable on their own to address their mood. So here's, here's where science is wrong. It's not just biological, okay? You're, you're not a car that needs an oil job. Mm-hmm. So you are, you are a mental person, you are a physical person and you are a spiritual person. And mm-hmm. so we must address all three. So let me say this. Listen, for those of you guys who are struggling with depression, you, you know, when I went through my depression beginning in my 30s, I wasn't working out. I was eating whatever I wanted to um, and uh, I wasn't going to any kind of counseling. So what changed for me is I changed the way I ate. Like people make fun of me because I don't eat it. I don't eat that. I changed my diet, right? You, you put crap mm-hmm. in, guess what you're going to feel like? Crap. I mean, right? If something's on sale for 39 cents, maybe you shouldn't buy it. There's a reason, people. Yeah. So I started working out. I started eating right. And I started seeing a counselor. And I saw a counselor for two years. Wow. 
um, and I worked through some issues that I needed to deal with. And so I would encourage you to do all three of those things. And remember, we, we, don't, we don't get depressed in a moment and we're not going to be happy uh, in a moment. So mm. what we need to do is we need to trust that. Now, having said that, some of us are just wired that way, right? Some people are wired to be Olympic athletes. I didn't get that wiring. That's not me. Some of us are wired to be more emotional than others, mm-hmm. okay? That's just the way that we are. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand that, okay, God designed me um, and I'm broken in this. So how do I find the beauty in being super emotional? So here's the beauty of it is you feel better and deeper than most do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of the way God made you is we want you to feel, we want you to connect. Uh, highs and lows are important. Here's how the enemy uses it. Uh, he, he makes you know your happiness maybe momentary and flashes and he burdens you with long seasons of darkness. And so, you know, um, here's what I've learned about myself is I, I'm just one of those people, um, you know, I'm kind of a spaz on stage, I, you know, I'm excitable and whatever, but I get a little dark every single week after my sermon. It, mm. it starts, that's just the reality. Mm. Um, I, it just happens for me. And uh, it's a challenge because I still have to be a husband. I still have to be a father. I still have to get work done. And I've had to learn how to, how do I handle the emotional roller coaster? This is part of who God made me. You guys don't get, um, I believe, the deep feeling, powerful messages if I'm not this way. Mm-hmm. This, is how, this is how God made me. So mm-hmm. I have to lean on the beauty of who God made me and really defend against the brokenness of what sin has made me. So mm-hmm. I, I have to do both of those things. So don't minimize it. It's a real challenge. It's a real issue in people's lives. We can't stigmatize it and make people feel bad for mental health issues. We should encourage them. Go to a psychiatrist, go to a doctor, go to counseling. However, you also need community. You also need to practice spiritual disciplines. You need, you have to exercise your soul. You can't just exercise um, your, your emotions and your physical body. And, and here's what's happening in our society. Nobody's exercising their souls and their bodies are beautiful, but their souls are miserable. Mm. So what we have to do is get back in as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. God has put a deep need in each of us for him that's to draw us uh, to him. So my heart goes out to you and Mm -hmm. um, I'll be praying for you. And as a fellow struggler, look, man, it's just, it's part of the burden we carry, but it's not all bad. Some of it's really, really good. God has wired you to feel deeply. That is not a sin. Mm. Continue to do that. So, um, just don't let your emotions be in the driver's seat. Let Jesus be in the driver's seat. And I, I think you'll make it. Yeah, that's so good. I like that you always bring out the, the beauty and the brokenness component. So many of us, I think when we have these issues or these struggles, immediately want to write it off as completely unredeemable, completely mm-hmm. bad, completely, you know, I just want to get rid of it. I want to move away from it. And God is wanting to do so much more through that often. Mm-hmm. You said that a couple of weeks ago. God is more concerned, not what's happening around you or to you, but in you. Yeah. And I think that's just a great place for, for her to go. So Annie, hope that helps. Uh, diving into today's uh, questions, we have one from Jerry. I was wondering if Pastor Matt would expand on Jesus being happy. I never thought of him as being happy. I guess I always thought of him as depressed and upset. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jerry. Sorry, that's Jesus. the church's fault. No, yeah. I, I think the way we present God is God's always disappointed. Mm. He's always disgusted. Yeah. Um, you know, and we don't we don't present God with joy. That's why I read the verse in Zephaniah where God sings songs of joy over us. Mm-hmm. Wow. He loves to do that. God loves to make us happy. God loves to bless us. Um, and so, you know, here's where the the more charismatic uh, prosperity uh, gospel churches. And if you don't know what that is, it's just churches that you know think every Christian ought to be you know wealthy, fat, and happy. 
there's some of that that's true. God doesn't want to burden us. God doesn't, you know, want to uh, make our life miserable. Life, so we already get that on our own. Right. God wants to bring joy in our life. Again, the, Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus says, that you might have a rich and satisfying life. Mm. That's what God wants you to have. Now, having said that, I don't know that wealth, um, comfort, always provides a rich and satisfying life. Many, many rich pe- rich and comfortable people are miserable people. Mm-hmm. So, so simply giving us more stuff isn't blessing us. So we need to make sure that that's not always the best thing. Mm. So um, I think that it's just really, really important for us to trust that, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do. So can you finish the last part of the question for me? Yeah. Yeah, so the perspective this individual Jerry shares is that I always thought of Jesus as being depressed yeah. and upset. And yeah. so you, you shared about that, some of the what the, the way the church has presented that, all the pictures I ever saw of Jesus, he looked very sad. Well, sure, yeah, he's yeah. disappointed in you. And and part of that's because a, a lot of our focus is on him on the cross. Of course, he's not happy about that. He's being crucified. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's. There, I mean, he's, he's a person. And so he's experiencing that and he's walking through that. But that's why I read the verse that he's accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. He's always eating, he's always partying, and he's always hanging out with sinners. People loved him. So Luke 2.52, Jesus Christ grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God, and listen to this, in favor with all men. Yeah. Everybody loved him except religious, you know, uh, stuffy, (laughs) jerky people. Everybody else loved him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone else loved him. Even Pilate, Pilate's own wife loved him. Yeah. You know? Every, it was the people that were jealous. And, and, and the jealousy is what overcome the joy that Christ preached. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that, you know, that, that's tragic. And it's a failure on our part as Christians, on my part as a pastor, to have not presented Jesus that way. That's why I thought it was important to present Jesus as the happiest person who ever lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus's first miracle right. that we read about was at a celebration. Is that a party? Mm-hmm. He made the wine, people. Yeah, mm-hmm. the best wine the, not, that they'd ever had. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He yeah. created it. He made drunk people say amen. <laughs> That's Jesus. The power of the Lord. <laughs> there we go. All right. So Jennifer wrote in and said, after Sunday's service, it became apparent that I need a change in my perspective. I'm a stay-at-home mom raising three young boys, and it can be a hard gig. Amen. I mm. struggle sometimes finding the joy in the midst of the messy, lonely, and long days of motherhood. I feel like I exist in this middle ground where I'm not really happy, but I'm not depressed either. What does godly joy look like in the midst of parenthood? How do I change my perspective? Right. So I would say every person's experience in parenting is different. I mean, for some people, right, this is the epitome of joy and the center of mm. life. I was not one of those people. So when we started Sandals Church, Tammy worked and I stayed at home with our two girls. That's how we started it. So I was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, I understand, you know, I did the potty training. I did, you know, all of that stuff. And it's just very, very difficult. And mm. you're just exhausted. I mean, going anywhere is like a chore. Um and so it was really, really difficult, you know, getting kids in car seats and we didn't have all the gadgets and devices for them to be entertained. So it was really, really tough. Um, but just just know this, that any parent, and I say this all the time, of children under the age of five, you're on the threshold of hell and you don't know it. Children are difficult, mm-hmm. absolutely difficult. They're taxing, they don't sleep. I don't think my wife and I slept for seven years through the night when our kids were little yeah. because a body was hitting the floor, somebody was crying, somebody was pooping, somebody was puking. That's just the reality. That's the way kids, you know, kids roll. So um, it's a very, very difficult season. That's why you need to be, uh, you know, in a group. I would encourage you to be in Cultivate uh, to figure out some way in your budget to pay for your kids to be in that hour. It's these parents that want to bring their kids in the worship. I don't get you. 
Like if I was atheist, I would go to church because I know that there's gonna be good people who've all been ser- free childcare for like an hour and a half. <laughs> like go do that. I mean, when yeah. do you get that? When do you know that every single week at a certain time I can drop my kids off and they're relatively safe and it's free? Really? And there's people that actually yeah. love them and wanna be there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, th- that blows my mind. You need space from your kids. You need that. You need that time with God. Uh, you need that time to worship. You need that time to connect with your spouse. The best gift you can give to your kids is putting them in children's ministry. It's the best gift mm. because they need their time with God. They need to be challenged. Uh, you can have family time together for the rest of the day, but uh, all these parents that bring their kids in, you're really doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your kid a disservice and you need those moments and those times. So my heart goes out to you. Just know this, it gets better. I, I think the magical years are like six to 12. Okay, and then you got to get ready for puberty, mm. brace for impact because <laughs> it's very, very difficult. But six to 12 is just a magical time yeah. where kids are pretty much self-functioning. They can do things. They have a good attitude. They actually think you're cool. Hey. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, those were some of my favorite years. Although I, I do appreciate watching my kids grow older and I now have a 20-year-old and uh, almost a 19-year-old. Uh, but the teen years are, are challenging and uh, it is for them. And I don't know what's harder, being a teenager or being a parent of a teenager, both ways are, are challenging. So yeah. my heart goes out to you. And uh, again, you are doing the most important job there is. You are raising the next generation of Christians. So don't lose heart, don't give up, yeah. invest in them. And just know I drove my parents crazy. So one of these you know, little terrorists that you're raising might grow up to change the world. Hey. And you don't know that. So just invest in them and talk to them. And again, don't just address behavior, address the heart. Yeah. Always address the heart. Because if you can get their heart, their behavior will change. Hmm. But man, if you just if you just deal with behavior, you know it's it's ne- it's never about doing the right thing. It's about not getting caught. That's what behavior hmm. parenting is about. Heart stuff is they want to do the right thing because they love God, they love you. Yeah. And whenever I discipline my son, I tell him I'm preparing you to be a husband, a father, and a provider for your family. Yeah. And that's why I'm disciplining you. That's why this isn't acceptable. Yeah. So. Hmm. Thanks, Jennifer, for writing in. Yeah, Three appreciate your authenticity. Boys. Yeah, brave, brave woman. I feel like she's put that very, very uh, uh, softly. It can be a hard gig. <laughs> yes, Jennifer, it probably is a very, very challenging. Thanks for thanks for writing that in. Uh, this weekend, Pastor Matt, you covered a passage from Philippians, and there's a couple of verses that stuck out. Uh, verse uh, three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. So Jennifer writes in, uh, how do I begin to become more humble? I struggle with being outspoken, although I believe my intentions are kind and I come across very aggressive. This hurts me to know I affect people in a less than positive way. Yeah, so first of all, um, thank you so much for being Mm -hmm. self-aware. The most difficult person to change is the person who's not self-aware. So you you are seeing how you're being received. And so uh, as Christians, um, we need to be aware of how people receive us. Because we can have great intentions, but if we're not being received well, then that causes barriers to the gospel and it doesn't help us to love them. So one, one of the things, and this is why the debrief is so important that I couldn't get into is remember the apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi and there's a conflict in the church. We haven't gotten there yet. He's gonna call out two women by name in the next mm-hmm. chapter. Mm-hmm. So there's a problem. What does Paul believe the root of the problem is? Selfish ambition, thinking of yourself as better than others. So who is the church? They're military people. What does what does all military have? Rank. Rank. All military. So by definition in the military, some are more important than others. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. So this church, a bunch of expatriates, a bunch of ex-soldiers is, is struggling with. So let's say you were a general and the guy in your small group is a private. Well, that may have worked in 
the Roman army, but that doesn't work in God's army. Mm. So in God's army, we're all the same. And so we need to humble ourselves. And so here's part of humility is what you need to say is what's important is not me standing up for my rights, but what's important is for me recognizing the rights of the person that I love and I care for and I wanna speak to. So uh, I think we need bold women in the church. We need clear women in the church. Uh, And so I don't want to change your personality. Remember, God's gift of your personality is beautiful, but it's also broken. So the beauty of it is you stand up for what's right and true. The brokenness is that you offend people and oftentimes the offense causes them not to see the truth of what you're saying. Mm. And so you need to learn to do that. And so I, I don't think any of us, um, most people don't humble themselves enough. Now, some people, right, humble themselves too much and never talk, never speak up. And that's that's a whole nother twisted version of that. But for you in your case, I would just say, okay, I'm gonna say this. And this is what I say, is I'm gonna tell you this. And then if, if the way I'm saying it comes across wrong, can you give me instant feedback? How did that feel? How, mm-hmm. Get instant feedback and beg them to be honest with you. And then when they are honest with you, you can't say, but, or, well, that's not, you. you because if you shut people down, they're not gonna be real with right. you. Mm-hmm. And for most aggressive people, the people in their life either are not trained to confront them or they have not been given permission. Mm. So, so if you're a strong personality, you have to make sure that you're around other people who are trained and will speak truth into your life. And then you have to give them permission mm-hmm. to speak truth into your life. And that's, that's really, really difficult. So um, I just wanna encourage you to do that. So great question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another passage that uh, really stuck out from the passage of Philippians we talked about this weekend is uh, verse seven from Philippians two. And it says, instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Does this first mean that while Jesus was on earth, like he wasn't really God or left some of his godness behind? Yeah, so this is a really, really important passage theologically to understanding who Jesus was. And just know that the church debated this issue for about 300 years. About 300 years, they debated passionately back and forth. Was Jesus God or was he just a man? And ultimately, here's the answer the church came up with. He was both. He was both fully God and he was both fully man. And so why is that important? So, so what is Christianity? Christianity is the relational movement of God where he brings healing to us, to each other, and, and with him through Jesus Christ. Mm. So Jesus, in order to bring about relational healing, has to represent both parties perfectly, which he does. Mm. So he was always God, but he became a man. So think of Jesus this way. So a lot of people say, well, did he did he lose all of his deity? No, because then he would cease to be God. So he never ceased to be God. Think of it like a three-legged race. Have you guys ever entered a, uh, entered a three-legged race? Yes. Based upon my like height, I was not allowed to. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> when I fall down, it's a long yeah. way. So, okay. yeah. You're taking someone real far. Yeah. So, yeah. so in a three-legged race, and I think this is the best illustration I could come up with, it doesn't matter if you pair, uh, say, uh, Usain Bolt with me. It doesn't matter because in a, in a three-legged race, in a sack race, how fast can you see Usain Bolt run? As fast Only as you as can. As yeah, you can. I am the limiting factor. <laughs> so when Jesus becomes man, he enters a three-legged race. So he's fully God, he's fully man, but the speed with which he can work is only the speed with which a human being can go at its ultimate capacity. Mm. Hmm. So that's why sometimes he knows some things. What does that mean? It means we could know more things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Sometimes, you know, he does things based upon the strength of his relationship with God the Father. So what does Jesus epitomize? The ultimate relationship that a human being can have with God. We can know God, hear God, please God. We can do things by his power. Mm. So Jesus is using the power of God that is available to any human being. Hmm. 
if we live in full submission and obedience. Wow. It's a three-legged race, and that's who he is. So it's not that he's not God. It's just that as much of God that can be expressed in human form, the human form is the limiting factor. Now, there are moments, right, like the transfiguration, where the disciples are like, whoa, because part of who he really is comes forth. And remember, they say, should we should we build a tent to worship you here? I mean, what you know what they're really saying? Should we build a tabernacle here? Hmm. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I mean, they're asking, I mean, they're basically saying, do we worship all of you right now? Because right. that was crazy. <laughs> right. um, and he says, no, no. But I wanted you to see this. I wanted you to see who, who I am and what I'm about. Um, so it's important, you know, the disciples got a glimpse of who Jesus was. They got a glimpse of his power. They got a glimpse of his authority. And even on the cross, right, when he speaks, the earthquakes, the things that are happening, um, you know, dead people coming out of the grave, all of that is a reflection of his deity. So Jesus Christ is both God and man. Why? Because what is broken, and we need to quit telling people about how bad they are, terrible are, and they're evil they are. What they are is they are broken and separated from a relationship with God. Mm. And what Christians preach is the healing of that relationship. Okay, Christians are not better people morally than, than people who aren't Christian. What we are is healed people relationally with God. That's what we are. And so um, that's, that, that's the challenge. And, so, mm-hmm. and that's why so many people don't want to become a Christian because they're like, well, I know that guy claims to be Jesus and he's a jerk. I'm like, yeah, because he's not yet healed with himself mm-hmm. and with others. He is healed with God. If, if he has confessed his sins right. and placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his relationship with God is healed. But that healing now needs to uh, overflow with his relationship to himself and his relationship with others. And that's where you see the brokenness, which is what is most of the New Testament. It's problems with self and problems with each other, which Mm. is what we're going to see in Philippians. Mm. It's not a problem with God because that's been solved through Jesus Christ. It's how now do we live out the truth of our relational healing with self and with others? That's where the conflict with Christianity comes is how does my faith in God affect my relationship with myself and my relationship to others? Mm. Which going back to the last question, right? Humility, I need to be more humble. Yeah. So great question. Yeah, these are really great. If you guys didn't listen to the sermon this weekend, Pastor Matt had a lot of really great points. Would Mm -hmm. definitely recommend going back and listening. This one comes um, kind of on the uh, the same line of uh, one of the great points you made that God is powerful enough to change our mood. I think you even had... Um, a statement and a, and a quote, if you want to change your mood, you must change your path. That was a great mm-hmm. point to this question. So kind of elaborating on that, if we're asking God to change our mood and it's not happening, how do we know what is our responsibility and what is just a matter of waiting on God to change us? Yeah, I would say that God is not going to change you unless you change your path. So I would say it's almost always your responsibility. Mm. Mm. I think Christians need to accept responsibility. I need to change. Um, and, and people who are not willing to change are not, are not willing and, or ready to follow Jesus. That's just yeah. the reality. You know, Jesus doesn't just want to change some things about you. He wants to change everything about you. And so um, our patterns, our ways of thinking, our ways of acting, everything must be affected by my faith. You know, I would encourage, encourage every debrief listener to just sit down today and write out this question. How does my faith in Jesus affect and then you fill in the blank. Hmm. How is it affecting it? If it's not affecting these areas, you got to do one of two things. You got you to change and say, okay, I need to, right? How is my faith in Jesus affecting the way that I'm living out my marriage? How is my faith in Jesus affecting my single life? 
How is my faith in Jesus affecting my financial life? How is my faith in Jesus affecting my personal emotional life? Right? So remember what Paul said, is there any encouragement in Christ? What is he saying? How is Jesus affecting your emotional health? Mm. That's what he's asking. Is there? There should be. Yeah. Um, so Jesus wants to affect the way I feel. He wants to affect the way I act and he wants to affect the way I think. Mm. And those three things go together. So historically what the church has said is Jesus needs to change the way you act. And we haven't dealt with the heart and we haven't touched the mm. mind. And to truly, that's why again with your kids, right? You need to deal with what they're feeling and you need to deal with what they're thinking. So that, that's what we need to do. And so the problem is, is we spend so much time on behavior modification. Mm. So, you know, um, uh, what's, um, what was the, the black guy that ran for president that was always asleep during the debates? What was his name? <laughs> He was the doctor. Uh, Yeah, Carson. Yeah, Ben Carson. Yeah, Ben Carson. Okay, so he he made a statement this week that he's getting all kinds of grief for it. And Mm -hmm. what he said was, is poverty is a state of mind, right? So everybody's, oh, it's a physical. Well, okay, I don't think anybody thinks that it's not actually physical and it's not real. But there is a problem with impoverished people. They do, they are trapped in a way of thinking. And until we address the way of thinking, no program will help them. Hmm. It won't. So... The same thing is true as a Christian. Jesus can't change your spiritual poverty until he addresses your mental poverty, your emotional poverty, and your behavioral poverty. He has to address all three things. So who is Ben Carson? He's a Christian. And so he believes in those things. And, you know, it's so sad to me. We live in a culture that's so, that hyperventilates anytime somebody challenges the status quo. Um, it is, it, is, it is a way of thinking that mm. is created by a reality, a physical reality, mm-hmm. but you can't simply give people money and change their life. You have to affect the way they think. And we mm. see this at church with our benevolence offerings. You have to address people's mind, people's feelings, and then ultimately that will change their actions. Um, so again, th- that's what it means. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, what, Dr. Carson was saying was, was profound and challenging. Mm-hmm. And again, we have to change the way we think because so much of our mood is affected by thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I should be like the Kardashians. I think I should be this pretty. I think I should be able to go to these places. And so when I don't, then I'm miserable. So if yeah. I let God challenge my thinking and how does he do that? By challenging me to be humble. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm blessed to get to do this. I'm blessed to make this happen. And so, um, like for example, uh, you know, I've had eight knee surgeries. It's real easy for me to get emotionally depressed and saddened because I've gone through so much physical hardship. I can't tell you how awful it's been for me in terms of physical pain and suffering. Um, it, it, part of my depression in my 30s was was dealing with the reality of, of physical suffering. Physical mm. suffering affects emotional well-being. It does. Oh, mm. So it's real easy for me to get upset. And so what I had to do even. Uh, today, as I was working out, was I had to challenge my thinking. Here's how God has blessed me. Here's the things God has done in my life, despite the suffering, despite the surgeries, despite the challenges, here's the real things that God has done. Because oftentimes, the first thing the devil does is attack my mind. Mm -hmm. And he wants to put bad thoughts. He wants to put evil thoughts in my mind. And evil thoughts are usually selfish. Well, you know, you haven't had any, any surgeries. You only had to have one. Right, you know, you only got to do this, and, and and so then I start I start doing this, and I become real self absorbed, and self absorption absorption is fuel for depression. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Self absorption is fuel for depression, and and, and 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 nobody's challenging people on that. So yeah. we're going to the doctor, 
You get five minutes with your doctor and they give you a pill and nobody's saying, maybe we need to write a list of all the ways that you're blessed. Mm -hmm. So is there any encouragement in Christ? Is there any comfort in his love? Is there any fellowship in his spirit? He's challenging their thinking. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason you're depressed, discouraged and divided is you're not thinking right. You're not feeling right. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna attack those things. And so, you know, we live in a culture that says, I have a right to feel this way. Well, what if it's whack? Right. Feelings lie yeah. all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And so what we know from biology is no human being makes decisions apart from emotion. No, no, even nerdy people <laughs> use emotions to arrive at conclusions. Yeah. And this is why science gets whack right? This is why mathematicians, you know, like this is why statistics lie, right? right. You know, uh, because people are using emotion, even in the midst of statistics and mathematics yeah. and science. Well, I we, think even there are studies that emotion affects your memories too. Oh, yeah. Emotion affects how you, how your mind actually remembers mm. things too. So it affects even that. Yeah. So yeah, my mom and dad and I will talk about my childhood I tell them there's the emotional event they experience, there's the emotional event I experienced, and then there's the real event that neither of us right. experienced. What actually happened, yeah. You know, and only God knows that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that's what's so so dangerous because, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of my childhood is interpreted through the emotions of whatever age I was mm-hmm. and the feelings that I was feeling. Those may or may not have been real. Yeah. And then my parents, you know, they were also interpreting those as working parents, struggling, trying to get through the day, trying to manage, you know, marital issues and financial issues and all the pressures that kids are unaware of that adults are facing, which I think is a good thing. I think the parents that dump all of their emotional worries on their children is, I think that's wrong and that's a sin. Mm -hmm. I think kids need to be kids and that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, having said that, you shouldn't be unreal about things. So, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I feel I would just, one other encouragement, I think this has been so true in my life that those of you that are out there and you're thinking, man, my responsibility to change my mood, I'm trying, I'm trying to think differently. Part of our responsibility is even just to ask God to change it. It's like I've mm-hmm. prayed repeatedly in, in really right. seasons of, of darkness or feeling depressed or un- unsure or anxious. God, would you? I know I shouldn't think this way, mm-hmm. but now I'm exercising my responsibility simply just to ask you, will you please change this? And repeatedly do that. Sometimes us showing up and being responsible is simply just asking God, yeah. will you change this? Will you make yeah. me think differently? But not only that though, how has God changed you the most dramatically? You don't know. Oh, well, Community and relationship. Oh, yeah. and you, you've, been, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you've been challenged that was the right answer. by yeah. men in the church. Yeah, and absolutely. so here's what I would say is the best way to change how you feel and think is to get in a community group with mm-hmm. people who will challenge totally. how you feel and how you think. Mm-hmm. If you're in a community group and no one ever challenges how you feel and you think, you're never going to grow. Yeah. You are never, That's ever going to really grow. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I have one of my... Uh, one of my best friends, his name's Eric, and he, he has the gift of, he speaks prophetically and he will just say, that is not true. Like he's wham. Wow. And I, and I love it. You know, I don't always agree with him, mm-hmm. but most of the time he's right and he challenges me and I appreciate that. And we all need someone with the gift of prophecy to speak truth into our life and go, that is not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, you can have a wife who's sharing for an hour in small group, how she doesn't feel that her husband loves her. Well, what if he does? Hmm. Someone in the group needs to say, get out of your emotional tank and accept the fact that he loves you. Yeah. And what we need to talk about is, how do we get you to feel love? Because if you can't feel love, don't put that on everybody else. Sure. You need to, you need, and some of us grew up in homes where we weren't taught how to feel love, how to feel encouraged, how to feel good enough. We didn't grow up in an environment. And so what we do, 
you know, in our woundedness is we put that on everybody else. Mm. And we need to take responsibility as adults and say, okay, this is my issue. And I need to learn to feel loved and appreciated by my husband, by my kids, by my wife. I, I need to do those things. And so, um, you know, w- we got to do that. So everybody, yeah. listen to me, all of our small groups, every small group needs a challenger. Then you got to deal with who challenges the challenger, right? Because that's, that's the, cha- that's <laughs> well, the great challenge. Uh, because yeah. challengers are often one directional. Mm-hmm. So they just, they just challenge. Yeah. So you need a super humble, um, holy challenger that can, you know, back off when they need to, because otherwise yeah. they run over everybody else. But, mm-hmm. you know, somebody has to call a spade a spade in small group. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if you don't have that person, your group will not grow. Yeah. Somebody has to speak up for the truth. Mm. And um, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. And, and group think is deadly to a group. Group think, right? You know that's why groups tend to leave our church together, you know, because they all get on the the emotional like, uh, and yeah. then before you know it, they got to go somewhere else. Is because no one in the group is like, wait a minute, yeah, what are we doing? You know, Matt Brown is not Hitler, <laughs> you know, no, even though not. someone maybe has accused me from time to time of being that. It's like really, really. I mean, um, so that's good. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode with a couple of off-topic questions that we've had Mm, come in. So we've got two of those here. The first comes from Lindsay. She says, my husband and I have moved out of California, but continue to watch Sandals sermons online and listen to the debrief. We're active and serving in a local church, but are struggling with a lack of realness there. How can we be real with ourselves, God, and others and encourage those around us in a church that has a different vision? Yeah, I would get another church. I mean, (laughs) any any church that does not want to be real, you you, you will not heal. And that's just the thing. And so... Um, so here's part of the problem is sandals is unusual. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, we're, we're, we're the weird one in the bunch. We have challenged, uh, people to be real, to be honest and authentic. And, um, most churches don't do that. Mm-hmm. Most churches are information transformation. So the more, you know, the more you'll grow. And that's just not true. Um, we, we believe that, um, I mean, we, we could spend the rest of our life on the Sermon of the Beatitudes and how to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And never, ever arrive at that. So we don't need to do a study of the kings in, in the book of First Kings and Second Kings and First Chronicles and Second Chronicles and what they did and didn't do. And, and that's what a lot of Christianity is, is you're learning information about dead people. What you need to do is learn information about a living person named Jesus and how he affects you and wants to challenge your life. So, uh, I mean, again, I'm trusting that what you're saying is true, Um you know, and again, guys, don't move to a place where there's not a church. Mm. I, I, it always saddens me, and I don't know if this is your story, but people move for a job and then try to find a church. I would never go somewhere, anywhere, where I didn't feel like there was a body of Christ that I could instantly connect with. That's mm. the most important thing to in me your life, yeah. in your life. And I mean, that, that's crazy. That's like getting married, you know, to somebody based on a photo. Why would you do that? I mean, mm. first find out who they are, what they're about, and then get married to them. And so just you know, before you move, um, you know, and it's probably going to be a while before we get a sandal search there. I mean, I don't know where you are. So, so that's what I would say. Try to find a church that at least is not against being authentic, but most people have no idea what that means. I mean, it's just, it's very, very surface. Again, we're, we're, we're transitioning. Society has transitioned from an age of authority to an age of authenticity and churches are always behind the curb. We just are. You know, it took us 30 years to figure out guitars were cool, right? I mean, <laughs> it just, it, we just struggle. So um, we just got to figure that out. So it's no longer the age of authority. You know, um, like I'm, I follow this pastor that, I, you know, I think is cool, but his whole sermon series is on, you know, the Bible said so. He's preaching to an age of authority. I'm like, nobody cares. 
Mm-hmm. It's about authenticity. And I believe the Bible speaks to that. The Bible mm-hmm. is very authentic. Mm-hmm. And the pastors and churches that are gonna do well are the pastors and churches that embrace the vision of authenticity and the ones that are gonna crumble and fade away are the ones that continue to stay in an authority model. And it, you know, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, and I do believe in the authority of the Bible. I do believe in the authority of scripture, but that's not an appealing way to reach a culture that values authenticity, that needs something mm-hmm. that's real. Mm-hmm. So. That's great. Uh, Kyle writes in, I recently got a new job and need to increase my tithe. Congrats on the new job, Kyle, first of all. I was considering (laughs) tithing uh, the increase toward the debrief. My question is, should I increase my tithe to the church and just trust our leaders to put the money where it is needed? Or is it okay to decide to give to a specific thing or ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. Congratulations on the promotion. Look, I believe we tithe to God. I just do. Um, my wife and I are, are probably, I'm going to guess, over the 20 years, the largest givers in the history of our church. We actually could run the numbers, but I'm going to guess we're close. We're, we're, we're top three at least. I mean, over the last 20 years in terms of who's given the most. Never, ever have I said where the money will be spent mm. because my my gift to God, I place it on the altar. So what, what did they do with, with the offerings? In the, they burned them. Yeah. You didn't decide who got the chicken leg and who got the whatever. I mean, it was set fire, right? You entrust it to the priests. And I think that that's what we have to do, that part part of tithing, the principle is giving up control and releasing. And so, you know, if you don't believe in how the church spends money at Sandals, go find another church and give it wholeheartedly to them. But this piecemeal thing, I think is very controlling. And I think it's, it's the spirit of the devil and it's manipulative. I have never once said, um, now I have over and above my tithe, um, you know, we have a special needs classroom here and um, they wanted to um, put that special needs classroom in for kids in our church with disabilities and it wasn't in this year's budget. And so uh, at the time, um, our children's minister, Jeff White said, we need, we need to do it now. Um, so we're gonna take a special offering. My wife and I didn't take from the tithe, we gave over and above. Mm. The same thing is with missionaries. When missionaries come and to, to tell us about what they're gonna do, I don't take away from God's money, which I believe you give to the local church. I take away from my money. Mm. And t- Tammy and I pray about, okay, you know, can we not eat at Starbucks? Can we, can we cut our cable bill? Can we, you know, uh, can, what can we adjust in my life so that I can contribute to, to what God is doing? Look, the goal yeah. of my life is not to build my kingdom, it's to build his. And so what I've got to do is constantly say no to myself so I can say yes to his kingdom. So I, I just, anybody that does that, I think has a maligned view of giving and generosity. You put your yes on the table and you let God put wherever it is. You know, we have um, incredible people at our church that are overlooking. I mean, I think Sandals is the most financially stable church in our area. We do well, we do not overspend, we take care of our money. Um, you know, we, 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 we are, are checked, rechecked and double checked over mm-hmm. spending and those issues. And so that's just what I would encourage you to do. Um, if you wanna give and support the debrief, you know, that's fine. But if you're a member of Sandals Church, you know, the debrief, just bluntly does not exist because of the generosity of debrief listeners. It exists because of the generosity of Sandals Church. Mm-hmm. That's what drives this uh, program. That's mm-hmm. just the reality. Sandals mm-hmm. Church is funding this. So, you know, the debrief money that's given, that's nice and it comes alongside and it helps and it blesses us, but we can't, we can't live on what people are giving to debrief. We live and exist off what's given to the church. And yeah. so, um, you know, again, that's that's just my take. There are Christians out there that would disagree, but they have permission to be wrong. Okay, and AJ actually has a more practical question about tithing in specific. He also asks, when we tithe, should it be from our net income or our gross income while we're on the topic? Mm. Right, so 
Uh, real quickly, you know, the difference between net and gross, right, is um, one is how much you made total and one is what you make after taxes. So here's the challenge in that is that, um, you know, it, when we look at tithing, it right, it comes from the principle that um, we give to the church. And so really the Israelites didn't give 10%. It was about 33% of their income. When you look at all the tithes, all the offerings, all mm-hmm. the feasts and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but it was their government. So, yeah. so, so that's the challenge. And so here's what I would say as a Christian, you need to pray about and say, God, what do you want me to give? I would never ever debate somebody who picks one over the other. What you need to do is have, um, you need to have uh, a, a sense of peace about one or the other. So like, for example, my wife and I, we do not tithe on what we invest for retirement. We don't hmm. because I'm going to tithe on that in retirement. <laughs> so when, when I get that money, I'm going to tithe on that. That's what I'm going to do. That's the decision we've made. There's some people would say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, that's fine. But I'm going to tithe on that money when when I utilize it as right. income. So I'm saving for my future and I'm, you know, the church, I'm going to tithe on my death. When Tammy and I die, we're going to give 10% of our income to Sandals Church hmm. because I, I just don't get people that don't do that. I'm, I'm dying and going to heaven and I'm going to leave everything to my kids. I'm like, well, where are you going to live forever? Right. I mean, I'm going to, on my death, I, Tammy and I are going to give at least 10% uh, of our income to the church because mm-hmm. the church is the hope of the world. So we're going to tithe all through our life. I'm never going to stop tithing. We're never going to stop doing that. So I would say either you need to pray about it. You need to you know hear from God. And um, you know there's all kinds of arguments for, for, for both sides. Here's the bottom line. If Sandals Church gave 5% of their income, which is half the tithe, we would never have a need but only about 25% of our church tithe. Mm-hmm. So that's the reality. So most people don't come anywhere near tithing. Right. Like they just, they don't, that's just not what they do. Yeah. And uh, so, so I would just encourage you to pray about that and, and, and just ask. And I would say either way, there's no definitive way to prove one way or the other biblically, which is right and which is wrong. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think you're blessed either way. Go to God and ask him. And here's the primary thing. God loves a a generous heart. Yeah. You need to do it with joy. You need to do it with love. And um, you'll do that. So what do we do? Turn mm-hmm. on that vacuum. Yeah, the air came on, said okay. it's time to wrap up this episode. It so, it's, it's well, thank us. you guys so much for joining us for this episode of The Debrief. If you want to check out the show notes and see this episode online, you can go to debrief.show slash 67. We'll have links to Pastor Matt's sermon from this weekend, as well as some of the verses that we mentioned here. We'd also love to have you follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. We'll post some of Pastor Matt's great tweetable Mm. quotes there on there for you to share with your friends or you can share this episode with your friends just look for the debrief show on instagram facebook and twitter we would love to have you share some of that there watch us on youtube as well you can see that we are wearing somewhat of a christmas themed uh color coordination today we got some red white and blue yeah Yeah. i'm representing the debrief yeah there's no you are you are yeah thank you for that yeah yeah we would love to have you watch us on there and if you would like to support sandals church and the debrief we would love for you to do that you can always give to sandals Mm. church if you're not if you're part of sandals church and you'd like to start giving to sandals church you can just go to sandalschurch.com slash give to set that up we've even got ways that you can automate your giving that way you don't even have to think about it and if you'd like to specifically give to the debrief maybe you don't attend sandals church you can always do that by texting give debrief to 951-900-4120 however you choose to give we just want to say thank you so much for for supporting sandals church and supporting uh what god is doing here thanks everybody on the debrief and we're going to wrap up with what may potentially be i hate to say one of our last learning christianese things we've got some new stuff coming for the show in the future here we have mastered christianese we have mastered we are graduating to something be the end of an era yeah we've got some great new stuff coming guys but i'm not going to tell you what that is yet but for now suspense pastor matt one last little 
Learning Christian news, I think I'm learning Christian news, I really think so. Learning Christian news, I think I'm learning Christian news, I really think so. All right, Pastor Matt, what do Christians mean when they say they are echoing a prayer? <laughs> mm. well, I've never heard that. Like, oh, I want to echo what, I think this what is so the, and so just said. Oh. Right, so like Stephanie prays, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to echo Stephanie's prayer. Really? I People say that? Oh, I've heard it. Okay, they this do. is officially the weirdest Christianese uh, we've ever learned. I might have yeah. said it before. Like, You've said that? And when I say before, I mean like maybe many times. Ugh. Does this make me a bad person? Yes. It just makes you a weird person. What does it mean? <laughs> I'm guessing ditto. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is just a very spiritual way of repeating the same thing. Oh, yeah, what he said was good. I should have said thing. that too. So that I want to... Father, forgive us. We're so weird as Christians. Before we don't know what we echo. 